great. Yeah, I love um, I love the Jesus calling. If I had a dollar for every time somebody articulated like, oh my gosh, this spoke exactly to where I am today or whatever, or had that experience yeah. myself, I'd be a millionaire. Like, it's just yes. so good. I don't know how she does it. It's so good. Yes. She probably prays. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Them to Life. We are still launching season three, getting back into the swing of things after an awesome summer and maternity leave for me and hitting the ground running back at work and all of those things. And I am so excited to have my friend Angela uh, across the state from me, across two states from me, but here on my screen. Uh, Angela, welcome to Lead Them to Life. Emily, it's so good to see you. It's been so long and it's so good to see your face. When we talked last week and I had asked if you'd be willing to come on Lead Into Life, we were like, this is just going to be our way to get caught up because it's been a little while since we've been able to sit and have a cup of coffee together and share hearts and all the things. Yes. And you uh, you said something in one, of, in one of your podcasts, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but you said something recently about how you have um, l- low tolerance for small talk. Or something yes. like that. And I was like, this is why I love Angela Dini or Angela Wistersell. I'm not used to your, your married name yet. Either. But I'll respond to both. Okay, great. But I'm like, this is why she's my soul sister. <laughs> like, we let's do level 10. I want to know how you think uh, about your thoughts. I want to know how you feel about your feelings. <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, I just listened to your season finale episode with Katie Flanagan. And I think you mentioned that there and Katie has that too. Yeah. And I'm friends with Katie and of, of like, you know, I just want to know your heart. I just want to know how can we help each other out? How do our stories align? Like, I want to get right to the meat of it. Yes, yes. Okay, so as a starting point, Ange, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and kind of where you're at in life right now. Yes, so I just got married. I had a COVID wedding um, last September, so it's been almost a year. And my husband and I live in New Brighton, Minnesota. Um, I had lived out in Colorado for a few years, um, but moved back right before COVID. And so I still long for the mountains and we still make trips back there every once in a while. So you'll probably hear me mention that. But right now we're actually, we had a bit of a, a sabbatical over the summer. So we took three months off and, uh, I quit my job. My husband worked it out with his work to take time off and, um, we spent about 600 hours working on, mission creative projects that we know are always on the back burner and are always going to be on the back burner but we wanted to give them our full focus and we just felt like the lord was calling us to really dive into these projects so for my husband that was writing a novel was producing a music album and for me it was launching a podcast uh, which is brand new for me and so we spent some time doing that the past three months and now we're headed back to the day jobs next week. So I feel so blessed that we had that time, learned a lot, um, and honestly worked harder than I've I've worked in a long time. I so believe it. I'm not sure if sabbatical is the right term. I think sabbatical is supposed to be like a break from work, but ended up just being a different focus on to work. Yeah, a um, different kind of but work. But it was work that we felt called to do. So it was very, it was very fruitful. 
how did that come to be? Were you just like one night having dinner and thought, hey, we should take three months off and and do these things that we've been dreaming about forever and ever? Or was it kind of a slow process? Yeah, I mean, so my husband actually had tried to do a sabbatical on his own before he even started dating for a month. He was going to take off uh, like a month of January of work. Um, And he ended up getting in a car accident and spending all of that month recovering. And so, you know, the idea was initially prompted by him uh, right before we got married. Okay. But we weren't really thinking seriously about him. It's like we just got married. We got to set some roots. And like, yes, we're stressed from the fact that we had to cancel a wedding and we had moves. Like I moved across country and then we had uh, job losses and all of this. So a sense of it was like, well, I don't want to just quit. Like, I don't want to do this because things are hard. Um, So we really wanted to be intentional about praying about it. So we spent a few months praying, um, asking for wisdom from other people, looking at our finances. We really wanted to do it because it made sense, not because it's just sounded good, you know? And it's like, is this actually what we're being called to do at this point in our lives Um, and really like the Lord opened all these doors and made it clear that yes, this is so on Easter Sunday was kind of the end of our, like, okay, we got to make this decision. And there was something in the homily that day that just spoke to us. It was like, I think the, the, uh, priest began the homily by saying this woman, um, took a year to, she took a year to write. She like took a year off to write. And all of these friends got together and ended up raising all this money so that she could do this. And that book ended up being To Kill a Mockingbird. And it was like, whoa, okay, so we may not be creating projects or being as big as that. But or just maybe you are, you know. That, like, maybe, who knows, but that, that okay, that is kind of the sign that we were looking yeah, for. Yeah, right no then. joke. No joke. Okay, so I, um, I, I'm like so inspired by that. I think it's so fun and life giving and a cool way to start out your marriage and all those things. Um, I really want to focus our conversation today on a real passion project for you, which is uh, really at the heart of your podcast and the work that you've been doing over the last couple of months, um, which is really uh, wonder and awe and the power of wonder and how that can really shape uh, our lives, it can shape our day, all of those things. Um, And I thought maybe a good place to start, and this is a a story that you've shared um, with many people and with your listeners on your podcast as well, but you kind of had a profound experience of wonder at a time in your life when uh, wonder felt dead. Um, Mm. Can you, will you share a little bit about that and and how did that come to be? What happened? Absolutely. So I was uh, a few years ago, I was in a long term relationship that turned toxic and manipulative and abusive. Um, But I was very attached It became very my identity became very attached in this relationship. And it spiraled downward where I lost sight of things like I I almost lost a sense of myself. Um, I lost a sense of reality of what was actually happening before me. And I would say as a survival mechanism, my body just kind of shut down and I became numb. Um, And this was like during a time when a series of other terrible things out of my control were happening that I haven't mentioned on other podcasts, but like 
I was stocked. I got roofied by a group of friends and thankfully I got home safely. All was well, but you know, that was just an eye-opening experience. I had my tires slashed. It really felt like, and now looking back on it, I truly believed like I was being attacked in some way, like spiritually attacked and in all these ways where I just felt very vulnerable. Um, and so I felt numb and I'm a person that feels a lot of feelings. I have yeah. a ton of emotions. And so that was like a probably a telltale sign of a body being in stress for a long period of time. Um, because being numb is not a good place to be because you shut down cues that your body is giving you to make choices that are healthy. So if you can't really feel pain, then you don't know which harmful actions to avoid. And if you can't feel joy, then you don't really have the motivation or guide to seek out healthy options. Mm -hmm. So, and so, you know, if I was making poor choices and I felt this numbness and this guilt afterwards, and it was hard to like get out of that situation. Um, and so this numbness went on for a long time. I would say maybe even like a year or two. Wow. Um, but really came to head one day when I was taking a bath. And I remember having this passing thought of, you know, it would just be okay if I wasn't here on this earth anymore. And that was a really real raw thought. And it wasn't as if I was thinking of doing anything about it. It was more just this sense of like, I don't know how to get out of this pain. And so I acknowledged like this passing thought is like kind of is shocking, um, is not a healthy thought to have. And so I remember grabbing a book that I had read a few months prior or I was starting to read. It was called The Evidential Power of Beauty, Where Science and Theology Meet. And I just opened to a random page and started reading to kind of distract myself. And I started reading about cells. Now, I was like working in communications. I mean, the last time I read about cells was in <laughs> high school biology. biology. <laughs> high school, yes. Um, so it's not something I like seek out to learn, but I just started reading. And the way that he described a tiny cell, and I'm, I'll just share right now like a tiny cell is made up of a hundred thousand million atoms, which are the smallest things we can think of. It's far more complicated than any machine built by man. And if we think of a cell like um, uh, it has a, a, like a mechanical system, it includes information storage, problem solving, automated assembly, just super intricacies and skills. And it's like an immense automated factory, which carries out as many unique functions as all the manufacturing activities of man on earth. It's unreal. <laughs> so, you think about it as like, if you magnified it to the side of New York City, it would just be like unparalleled in perplexity. And, and not only that, but it replicates its entire structure in a matter of hours. And then I read, okay, that's one cell. And each of us has a hundred trillion of these in our body. And just the fact that like, my mind, which is made up of all of these cells, is even able to comprehend, comprehend and appreciate this. Yeah. It just, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. Um, so I read this and like for the first time, it was almost as if I felt something. Like I felt a spark. I felt a spark within this gray mist of numbness. And I had this thought that encountered me that said, if I think that this tiny cell is so amazing and my body is made up of a hundred trillion of these, then 
I must be more amazing than that. And it was like, whoa, (laughs) I, it, it was almost as if it gave me a little bit of strength. It gave me a little bit of sense of direction. And I thought, I want to learn more. I want to read more about things that are going to give me this sense of like, I, I am strong. Like I, I am valuable. Um, I, I do, I am a wonder. (laughs) And so then (laughs) without realizing it, I started to seek out things that gave me that sense of wonder and awe and beauty. So I was out in Colorado. I had a view of the mountains. I would go for runs and I started walking and looking at the mountains and stopping when I saw a flower and listening to beautiful music and looking at art. And I just started to try to surround myself by beauty as almost as if I was like clinging to it for dear life. And I don't think at that point I I made the connection that like I was encountering God in the mystery of those beautiful objects and beautiful things. Um, But I came to know that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what became powerful for me was like, we can encounter, when we encounter true beauty, we're encountering this mystery of heaven and this mystery of God's plan for us, of God's plan for the earth. And, but it's accessible, like wonder and beauty is accessible to us to have this encounter. Um, And it was almost as if like, in that moment of numbness, beauty was choosing me. It was like, it actually like was seeking me out, like an active thing because like I said nothing was helping during that time I was numb no like self-help things like I just I was wasn't strong I was I felt weak and devoid of energy but like beauty made me strong and I was thinking of this quote by this Swiss theologian his name's Hans Urs von Balthasar he talks a lot about like beauty and goodness and he has this quote that says beauty chooses me it elects me and it sends me on a mission and it was almost as if like this suffering within this moment was my suffering was acknowledged. It wasn't as if I, I needed to be in a different place, but it also like called me forth to something greater. Like I meant for something greater. Yes. And so this kind of led to a series of things that then helped me get out of that situation. Yeah. It struck me um, a, a few mo- a few minutes ago, you said I had this thought that encountered me. Um, and then it was as though beauty was seeking me out and I, I just can't help but have this image of something being received versus being grasped at. And, and I had a conversation with a friend on my way to work this morning. We were talking about, um, we were talking about beauty and particularly like in femininity and the difference between a woman whose beauty is received and a woman who is grasping at her at her beauty. And, and I use this example of like this Instagram video that I saw of a girl I went to high school with who's just stunningly beautiful, but took this, this video of herself um, to post on Instagram, kind of making all of these model faces and, you know, just showing the tree and then it would come back to her. And, you know, she's <laughs> like giving all of these faces and she's stunningly beautiful. But it like left this sadness in my heart because I felt like this is somebody that's like grasping at her own beauty rather than recognizing it and receiving it as the gift that it is. 
um, and allowing that to to speak for itself. Um, and so I'm just so struck kind of in that same way for you, this experience of stopping and seeing a flower or looking at the mountains as this beauty to be received. And, and at a certain point you had to cling to it, but first because it was given. It was, it was given to you, it was prompted in you, it was the thought that encountered you. Mm-hmm. And then you were able to, to, to just fully receive it and to hold on to it and to recognize like this is, there is something here that's a gift that I need to cherish. And, and in that was the clinging, in that was the pulling it close, in that was the, um, yeah, the, the, the clinging. Um, and for you, how would you, how would you describe wonder? Um, you know, cause you're talking about, um, this, this experience that you went through this process that you went through that kind of awakened you in a certain regard to something outside of yourself that kind of began to pierce through that numbness, which I thought was such a beautiful example. I thought of taking my little girl to the dentist recently and she was a little numb afterwards. And they said like, keep this little uh, cotton in her mouth because uh, she'll hurt herself. So try and chew on her, on her cheek or on her lip because it's numb. Right. Um, Like when we're that, that numbing is dangerous for us because we can't feel pain. We can't feel and then make decisions based on that. And wonder pulled yes. you out of that. So how would you describe wonder? Yes, I love that analogy made with your daughter. That's so true. Um, you know, wonder is one of those things that I think we've all experienced at some point. Um, but maybe don't sit with it or maybe don't recognize <laughs> it's happening and its power. Um, and also maybe don't know how to define it. And I'll tell you, I've had a really hard time trying to figure out how to define it, which is why I um, started seeking out like psychologists, philosophers, theologians, because I wanted to say what they had to say about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, like at the very base level, if you think of it from like a psychological standpoint, it's, you, you can say it's like this complex emotion that involves these elements of surprise and curiosity and contemplation and joy. Um, and it's usually brought about when some you're encountering something that's so vast that it's beyond your current state of comprehension and understanding. So that could be something like an incredibly beautiful sunset, but it could also be something like a concept that you haven't considered, um, like the cell, when I was reading about that. Um, And, you know, awe is one of the most powerful and transformational encounters that we have because because it is the basis of every human discovery it, it, um, like every human discovery in science and like it is all based on an inclination towards curiosity and wonder. Like we want to behold something. We want to know that something is larger than us. Um, I had a talk with uh, Dr. Daniel McClure, um, a psychologist on the psychology of wonder. And, and it, he talks about how like it's, Basically, it tells us a lot about how we relate to things because it's primarily a relationship between me and the object I'm perceiving as beautiful. And then what that communicates to me is how then I view my understanding of the world. And so, like I said, we all have the ability to encounter moments of wonder and awe. um, But 
do we know how to recognize when something's truly beautiful? And do we know how to sit with those moments? Because it's in those moments that I've experienced a lot of questions come up in my heart. Um, a lot of honesty um, about where my life is going, where it's heading. It almost as if like in those moments of wonder, I'm experiencing joy because this is beautiful. But I'm also questioning how I'm living my life mm-hmm. in comparison to that joy. Mm-hmm. And um, what it longing is it bringing up in me? What is it making me want to do? What is it making me want to have more of in my life? What am I not making space for? Um, who do I want to be here with me experiencing this? Like, I feel like it actually awakens this hunger. So it's like both this joy and this lack that you experience when you're in front of something so beautiful. And I think that's why what I have discovered is that it's a prime uh, proof for me that God exists because we have this hunger for something that cannot be fulfilled on this earth. We have not found a way to fulfill that hunger that beauty brings up. Mm. Whereas like when we are hungry for food, okay, we have food, we're hungry for water, or we're thirsty for water, we are able to have water. Our body like hungers for things that can't always be fulfilled on this earth. And so I feel like that in itself is like, why would we have that if it's not meant to be fulfilled somewhere else so I feel like it like brings up there's this mysterious it's this emotion but there's this mysterious quality to it that like points us towards our desire for infinite things Mm -hmm. and it often manifests itself I think that lack for me manifests itself in a restlessness you know have you ever felt that where you're just like oh I just am discontented and and um and I, I want to be inspired, but nothing is inspiring me or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think it can manifest itself for us often in this. And, and we can kind of question, okay, am I restless in my job? Am I restless in my marriage? Am I restless in my, um, in my friendships? Am I restless in my community and where I live? Do I need to just leave? Do I need to whatever? And, and I don't think that that's what you're saying. I think you're saying actually beauty is wonder, this awe can be found. And maybe some of those things are true. Maybe you need a change of scenery and, and whatever, but, um, the, this gift of wonder can be received wherever you're at um, if we take the time to pause and to, and to notice it, right? Right. And, and kind of like what you're saying, like, yes, you can receive it most places. I mean, you don't have to be like an artist or philosopher or poet. You don't have to like go to the opera. But I mean, if you, if you can and you have the opportunity, you should. <laughs> um, but it's also what you were saying before. Uh, you can't also grasp at it to come. Um, my friend and I were talking about how sometimes we will take a picture of something or, and then try to like relive that experience later and it doesn't happen. Or we hear a song for the first time and it's so overwhelmingly beautiful. And then the second time we try to recreate it and the same experience doesn't happen for us. And so we also can't like make wonder happen and we have to, just be more aware. We can make ourselves more available to receive it. And partly that includes like quieting our minds, um, practicing being more present 
uh, practicing pointing out things that you think are beautiful. And then I think your awareness and appreciation of them grow, mm-hmm. grows. Um, like, for example, I'd go for a walk with my husband and I started pointing out things on the walk. And now it's second nature to notice things when I'm going on a walk by myself, to look up and see how the leaves on the trees move, to see how nature is never in a rush, it's never in a hurry, how um, this little flower that grew here, I might be the only one that sees it in its whole lifetime. Like it might die tomorrow and I just happen to like notice it. And like, why? (laughs) Like what a gift that is. Um, And like that speaks so much to our life. I think our lives are so based on productivity and things having to have an outcome and things having to have a use to them that if they don't, they're not seen as valuable. Um, and this is why I think we can be losing our ability to wonder as we get older, as we have more responsibilities, just in our world right now with a lot of noise, um, a lot of conversations around things. But it's this losing of wonder that has these profound implications not only in our own lives, but like in our communities, in our world, how we connect with one another, our mental health, um, like wonder plays a role in so many aspects. So it, it is something that you can practice and it is a muscle that you can build. Um, and like beauty will find you, it will encounter you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, as we're thinking about this, um, it's shifting a little bit my uh, perception of beauty and I'll tell you why. The example that comes to my mind, so uh, my my girls got new swimsuits and on Claire's swimsuit is a, a Norwal. Do you know what a Norwal is? Yes. Okay, like the weird from, whale. Um, from Elf. Elf. Yes. What's the, okay, what is the whale's name? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mr. Norwal. Is it just Mr. Norwal? I think it's Mr. Norwell. <laughs> well, that's anticlimactic. A, I was really excited. He, go, he goes, bye. Yeah. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Okay. So on her swimsuit is this like really cute Norwell. So anyways, the other day she comes up to me and says, mommy, do you know where my, my Norwell clothes are? Do you know where my Norwell clothes are? And I thought she was asking me, do I know where her normal clothes are? Like her <laughs> normal clothes instead of her pajamas or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, they're in your dresser, you know. So she comes back and she says again, do you know where my Norwalk clothes are? And then it dawned on me, are you saying Norwalk? Like, are you looking for your swimsuit that has the Norwalk? And she said, yeah, the Norwalk, which I was just really impressed that she knew what a Norwalk is, first yes. of all. Um, but it triggered for, for Matt and I, like, what is a Norwalk? You know, we've never <laughs> thought about this animal before. Have you ever seen a picture of one? They're no, so ugly. I actually didn't even know that they're real. <laughs> they're real, apparently. Well, now I'm like, maybe I'm being punked on the internet or something, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're real. Bill, are they real? Do you know? Okay, Bill says they're real. They're so like the, They're like the unicorns of seals. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. So we pull up these pictures of these Norwals, and I'm like, this is the ugliest animal. Top five ugliest animals that I have ever seen. Are you Googling one? I'm Googling one. (laughs) It's so, it's like not an attractive thing. Like its skin is kind of gross and like marbly almost and it's not soft. And the the horn on it is twisted like a unicorn's horn kind of thing. And they're like really long. And I just think, gosh, that's got to be really uncomfortable, you know? But anyways, (laughs) I was like captivated 
by this ugly Norwal. And by the way, Emily, there is a book called What is a Norwal on <gasps> Amazon right now. So you can, you can, uh, I'm totally buying that it. Book See, with your girls. when that in that picture, the cartoon, it's cute. In real life, it's not cute. It's not a pretty animal. I see what you're saying. But I'm kind of, I mean, it's, it's shifted, I think, for me, um, especially knowing that we were going to have this conversation. It kind of shifted for me or like opened up a little bit more uh, what is beauty and this like mystery about wonder that we can actually wonder at things that are not necessarily beautiful or in the way that we think of beauty. Uh, and that translate to, to suffering. Like we can wonder before the mystery of suffering because even in suffering, there's an immense beauty. And I know that was a big jump from the Norwal to, to suffering, but like, I, I just think it it tested for me, like, what do I perceive as beautiful? And do I perceive the intricacies of this animal that's been created to do this particular thing in the ocean? Do I recognize like the power of that and the beauty of that? And in the same way, do I recognize the beauty of of suffering, of a cancer diagnosis or of um, of loss even? Uh, because sometimes suffering is severe. Suff- sometimes beauty is severe. Um, but that can still produce wonder in us. Yes. I think that is a really important point is um, especially just talking and looking at this the past couple of years with COVID and all the social injustices and, and all the conversations politically. Um, it was almost as if at, on one level, I was thinking, well, a podcast about wonder and awe, you know, I, I don't want it to translate to like a mm, rainbows and unicorns. A, yeah, toxic yeah. positivity where everything's good all the time. Um, but then I realized, no, like you can have both. You can acknowledge where you're at and also see and also need to see like the beauty um, that is around as well. I think of this quote I'd like to share by John Paul II in his letter to artists that he did in 1999. Um, and cause I think it just speaks to the strength that beauty, uh, actually like gives us. He said, people of today and tomorrow need this enthusiasm if they are to meet and master the crucial challenges, which stand before us. Thanks to this enthusiasm, humanity, every time it loses its way, will be able to lift itself up and set out again on the right path. In this sense, it has been said with profound insight that beauty will save the world. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. It is an invitation to savor life and to dream of the future. And I just think that that's a wonderfully stated statement where it like beauty acknowledges suffering because I feel like it points us to reality. So first we have to acknowledge the state of things. Like beauty opens up the curtain to say, hey, this is my life right now. Because when you're in the state of wonder and awe, you are very much in a present moment mind state, Mm -hmm. Um, which 
which does a lot of things for your brain. You're actually more open and available for change. You're more um, available for curiosity in, in discussions, uh, more tolerant. You um, are actually able to receive the sense that you have more time in your day, which is really interesting. Um, and you also, like people who experience more wonder and beauty tend to be more philanthropic, give back more to their community. Um, and I'd say like all of these circumstances are again, like perceiving reality in front of you as it is, not like putting your own mindset and conceptions on what's happening in front of you, but just allowing it to like speak to you. Like, what is this reality showing me? Um, which is acknowledging the suffering. Um, but then it also like by practicing gratitude, by pointing out something and noticing its beauty in it also gives us strength. And so that's a, a, an important mindset. Um, I mean, I've talked to people who like one of the people I talked to on the podcast was in a terrible car accident and became paraplegic. And she talked about in the hospital how she started to write down things that gave her this sense of, of awe and wonder, like uh, water going through her hair when the nurse was washing her hair and feeling her fingers on her scalp. Um, and so it's like within the moments of suffering, I feel like often we are still given moments of goodness. And beauty is tied so much with goodness because there is like a morality to it. So that's why we find beauty in experiences like an old couple holding hands, you know, that's been married for a long time. We find beauty in saintly people like Mother Teresa, who may may not be like what you would see on a cover of a magazine, you know, right. but like many people call her beautiful because of what she radiated from within. Yeah. Um, so there are aspects to what beauty kind of is defined as in theology and philosophy and science, where it's like it, it intersects these things of wholeness and harmony and radiance and splendor. Like all beautiful things have these things in them, even if it's not physically attractive. Yeah. And it evokes love in some regard. Like I think of the Mother Teresa example that sure, you know, you might not see her on the cover of cover girl or whatever um is that still a magazine i don't know um <laughs> but it but she had this way of evoking love on all who encountered her and that in itself is beautiful so this experience of love that i think is so profound um yes. okay i need you to preach to me for for a minute because uh, let's use the example of yesterday yesterday felt like a dead sprint the whole day it just i i just felt like i was running hard and um and to the point even like all the way through the end of the day um trying to get you know girls girls to bed and i just recognize like i'm not patient with them i'm frustrated i'm tired i've been running hard i'm in like get things done mode and I just like was not in a great place. Like essentially I was not, not practicing um, this, this wonder. I was not practicing taking the pause. I was not practicing or in this state of like being present to them. And I remember having a priest when a, a good priest friend of mine, when Lily was born, challenged me. He said, you're a nursing mom. When you nurse, put your phone away and look at her. 
and be present, right? So like I have this desire to do that. And yesterday I just felt like I was not doing it. What are some practical ways um, that we can practice this? What are some practical ways that we can kind of interrupt the um, sprint for the day, if you will, and uh, shift our perspective, our mindset, instead of projecting, because right, I like I was totally in that place of projecting my interior disposition on the world. So like everything was obnoxious. Every red light mm-hmm. I hit, every you know, every whatever thing that could happen kind of happened, and I spilled this and I spilled this, and right, like we've all had those days where we're like everything that could go wrong went wrong. That's actually not true. That's that's us projecting our interior disposition on the world. How can we interrupt it? What are some good practical ways? Yeah, I mean, to your point, like some days it's it's a sprint and it's harder than other days. And so like some days we struggle at it more than others. So just give yourself grace for that. Like it's okay to have those days. Um, but I, I love the example you gave of like within our routine, within what we're doing, how can we make time for silence? Now, if you have kids running around and screaming, you may not be able to get that silence. So it may be also pointing out something that you're grateful for within that moment, which again is an active thing to do. So um, noise in itself is numbing, like what Mm -hmm. we said before. I use it a lot. I use it to numb my thoughts when I'm home alone. I put on podcasts, I put on the TV, I put on the radio. I like hardly ever silence. I have to actively say, okay, when I drive from here to the office, I'm going to not have a radio on. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to like prepare my heart to what I'm about to walk into in the office. So it also like gives you a sense of kind of having your head attached to your body in a way too, where sometimes it's moving too fast. Like you're not prepared for what, like who you're going to encounter next. So I think um, if you can make time for silence in what you're doing, um, and within that, if it's hard because your brain just keeps going, I find I, I try to point out things I notice. So like I have this tea here right in front of me. I was feeling a little bit of anxiety before this interview. And I looked at the tea and I was feeling its warmth in my hands. And I was looking at how the tea bag moved in the water. And I was looking at how the herbs kind of floated around. And that like gave me a sense of calm. So sometimes like if you're having trouble just being silent, just turning your brain off, like pointing out things that are happening in that moment to kind of slow it down to just this moment. Um, And then, you know, like I said, pointing things out and being grateful for them, like, wow, um, you know, my, thank goodness that my daughter is really, really cute because right now she's really trying my, my, my attention, you know? And so, so being grateful, intentional gratitude, Sometimes I find like, sounds silly, but I have such a serious resting face. And so like actively putting a smile on my face when I'm like walking kind of uplifts my spirit if I'm feeling anxious. So it's like, I'm going to smile for the next five seconds, just a little soft smile. I don't have to look like I'm cheesing by (laughs) myself walking down the road. Just a little soft smile and be like, everything's good. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then try to make room for beauty in your life. So maybe instead of if you're watching Netflix, putting on like the next sitcom, there are some great documentaries like design. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to forget the names of these things, but um, 
I don't remember right now, but there are some great documentaries that show design and like open our eyes to the beauty of the world around us. Mm. Um, like Fantastic Fungi, which is all about mushrooms, but like they do it in such a beautiful way that you'll walk by a mushroom and be fascinated by it next time. So I feel like even in how we recreate, we can bring beauty into those spaces. Um, you know, go to plays, uh, put on music, put on some classical music sometimes. Um, just kind of interspersing, diversifying, diversifying your day, really mm-hmm. pointing things out that aren't just in the nine to five and in your hobbies. Yeah. Oh, man, those are so such great examples and super implementable and very, very practical. Um, and I love the like I'm I'm struck particularly by the light smile on our face and that connection to our body and this attentiveness to our body, which is really just mindfulness, like the practice of mindfulness, um, which which Christians have been doing for ages you know we just call it yes. something different we call it prayer um and then i wanted to mention one more yeah, thing that I think is really important yeah if you can do this once a week do something gratuitous so meaning like not for any gain or for any angle or for any use so for example i'm not a painter but i get these tiny little canvases and i'll just paint i <laughs> this sounds funny some people like to color i don't like to color like the adult coloring books because yeah. i see what has not yet been done yeah and i'm like gives you anxiety that doesn't yeah get, yeah that doesn't work for me i need yeah. something completely fresh and blank where there's no end like i i can end at any time and it's complete um it's not going anywhere you know i may save Brilliant. it for a few days may give it to a friend who knows but Brilliant. like there's no purpose in it playing piano uh you know playing an instrument these are things where it's like do something not for someone else not for any end goal just like receive that moment will you hold me accountable i want to learn how to play the piano I've got the basics, but I literally, yeah, just a few days ago thought, I think it's time for me to pick up the piano again. Like there's just something human about that. There's something human about being able to play an instrument and there's something integrated in it uh, or painting or whatever that hobby is, those hobbies. Um, And I love that you're just naming it as gratuitous. Like it doesn't have a usefulness in a lot of ways. It doesn't have like this this glamour or this thing um, that's productive or that has an endpoint. Um, it's simply for, it's simply, f- it's, it's simply to be like, there's, yes. there's such a presence in it, which I think is beautiful. And I feel like we need a whole part two of this episode. And, me too. Okay, great. So that was uh, me talking you into coming back for another episode um, down the road or later in this season because it's just so helpful. Um, I have one more question for you. I ask all of the guests that come on Lead Into Life, um, what is a question that you have been pondering? We always say that this is a place with more questions than answers. And I think it's through asking ourselves big questions, little questions that we learn that we, that we can engage in wonder about the world around us and all of those things. So I want to know what's a question that you've been pondering. I've been pondering who am I supposed to encounter today? Like that's the question I've been asking myself. I, have been at home like 24 hours a day. So most days it's like, well, and maybe I'll see my husband for a little bit today. Uh, guess I'm encountering him. But now that I'm going to be going back to the office, be out of the house more. And so it's going to be like more intentional. Um, I think I just realized the loss of human connection um, this past year. And so like, how can I encounter someone today and actually like go past small talk with them or small talk with them um, sometimes that's, that's enough too. Yeah. That's an encounter in itself. I love it. Who am I supposed to encounter today? 
Lord bring them forward. That's so good. Um, hey, what's your what's your Instagram account and how can people sign up for your newsletter and listen to your podcast and all of that? It's just, it's so good. The world needs it. Yes, it does. So the podcast is called Awake to Wonder. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, you can also go to awaketowonder.com. Um, and that's how you can sign up for our emails. They just go out once a week, every Wednesday when our episode posts. So we have an episode every Wednesday and we talk to scientists, philosophers, theologians, stay-at-home moms, everyone to just kind of converge on this topic of why we need more wonder and opening ourselves up to the beautiful realities around us. I love it. I love it. Okay, friends, we'll definitely go find Angela there. She's just doing great things for the world uh, for personal and societal growth, which is kind of one of the taglines um, in your in your show and I just think it's so profound so uh, go find her there and friends I hope that you share this episode with someone that you think would benefit from it maybe somebody that's uh, like me a little bit in a sprint right now and simply needs a pause to be drawn out of ourselves Um, so share it with a friend somebody that you think might benefit from it and we will see you next time thanks Ange thank you thank you